0: Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues.
1: This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM listening color in partnership with mishkondorea it's business but it's personal
0: that was chukka khan with sweet thing it's just after nine on saturday morning and it's time for another edition of jazz shapers this is the place where not only can you hear music from the shapers in the world of jazz soul and blues but we also talk to the shapers in the world of business my business shaper today is simon coley Simon cut his teeth working as a designer and creator director for organisations ranging from Greenpeace to The Economist. He was also responsible for successfully bringing the first fair trade bananas to New Zealand under the All Good brand, which in 2014 was named the world's fairest trader. In that same year, the Karma Cola company launched in the UK, an organic and fair trade range of drinks created to be good for the land, good for the growers and as good for you as a fizzy drink can be. There are now six drinks in the range, which includes the eponymously branded Karma Cola. Hello, and thank you for joining me, Simon, I should say. Nice to see you. Tell me about where this idea came from for the business, because you know, we all have good ideas, and most people stay with the good ideas in their head.
2: You didn't. You did something else. Uh, it it first started on a beach in New Zealand, Piha, where I met the, the two guys that I'm in business with, Chris and Matt Morrison. Um, Chris surfs there, and I met him there just over 12 years ago now, um, we'd been thinking about how we might bring uh, organic tropical fruit from a place closer to New Zealand, Samoa, to buyers in New Zealand. And we have been trying to figure out how we'd sell these bananas that grow in abundance there and used to contribute to 20% of the island's GDP. And then when supermarkets became more sophisticated, and along with containerized shipping, a lot of that trade that was on banana boats to New Zealand disappeared because they couldn't take the competition from larger exporting nations like Ecuador and, um, and Malaysia. Uh, so we, Chris had been there surfing. I'd caught up with him afterwards. He'd said, there's this, all this great produce there that's not making it out of the country. Why don't we do something about it? And naively I thought, what a great idea, you know, Surely, people in New Zealand would like organic, fair, fair trade bananas from Samoa, from their neighbours. So we imported some, and it went really badly. We um, we we didn't realise just how fragile and perishable bananas are. Strangely, and uh, we qu- quickly learned that we didn't know enough about it to make it work. But it was a great demand for these things. That that um. People wanted to be able to buy produce from people they knew, understand the provenance and be able to kind of know, you know, know the impact they can have as consumers. We sort of saw that and we tried to explain it in this idea of a virtuous circle, which is where... The name for that company, all good came from that. These things would be good for the land, good for the growers, and good for consumers. But in thinking that through, and and consequently, we have got better at importing bananas. We now bring a few containers of fair trade bananas into New Zealand every week. So, you know, we learnt very quickly how to manage that. But when we'd um, got over that first kind of uh, um, uh, challenge in our business, we thought maybe we should move on to non-perishable products and we thought we'd do drinks. And the idea of this virtual circle that that we could be good for the environment and the people that grew produce as well as consumers made me think that the idea of karma is a really nice way of explaining it. And we were thinking, what else could we get from these places? We could get coconut from Samoa, we could get chocolate. And and as a sort of um, prefix to that, calling them karma chocolate and karma cocoa might be a good way to market them and then I thought, "Karma Cola sounds great. You know, it's sort of, you know, it's got a nice feel to it as a product. And maybe we could find some cola. And that's where it came from, thinking it sounds like we should do this. And we knew a little bit about the origins of cola in West Africa. And because we were working with Fairtrade and these sorts of people that we had the good fortune to meet through our banana experience, we um, we met a man called Albert Tucker who was in Sierra Leone, and he managed to find us some cola from West Africa, where it originates, and one thing led to another, and a few months later, we had a product that we had, we'd had we called Karma Cola and started selling.
0: Simon Coley is my business shaper here on Jazz Shapers, director and co-founder at Karma Cola. They did a really innovative thing. They put something called a cola nut inside a drink that they call cola. It's a <laughs> yeah. radical thought. Now, that it was really, that, uh, yeah. six, six years ago. Uh, you kicked the business off. Um, I want to go back a little bit before we We go there because now I feel like we've arrived at the point where the cola nut has made an entrance. But before that, your own background, I think you trained as a designer, graphic designer. You were a marketing director for a brand I knew well, um, which came out of New Zealand uh, called 42 Below, a brilliant vodka brand, really cool. And one of those kind of the the first premium vodka independent brands that we'd all heard of over here Mm. if you were into vodka. Mm. What led you to away from that corporate world into this? Hold on a minute. I want to do my own thing. Was it a natural progression or was a bit of was it a bit of a chance thing that happened
2: it all you know these things seemed to make sense in retrospect at the time. it just sounded like a good thing to do but you know if you wind back a little bit earlier i uh, you know I grew up in a household where both of my parents had been uh brought up by single, solo parents they'd been um supported by an incredibly um well thought through social welfare system in the 40s and 50s in New Zealand and they had a pretty strong ethic around social justice uh, that I never really realised until I got a bit older and kind of understood that I'd learnt by osmosis the kind of values I have and you know as a kid I used to stuff less at letterboxes and do a little bit of campaigning for their political interests and you know always found that because they were both educators and my father's also an artist that the idea of doing what we're doing now was wasn't an unnatural one that you know being creative which is a big part of what we do as an organization but for me being able to choose to have a, a career in in the creative arts or the creative industry wasn't unusual although it was for a lot of other kids in my of my age at the time because my father was an artist
0: and it feels like there's been a fusion of creativity and social justice yeah. but that wasn't again just looking back it wasn't I suppose, like anything, we all grow up and then you start doing something which is purely creative, yeah. you do something which is a bit more businessy, and then you found your moment. Did you realise that that's what you were doing, that you were bringing social
2: justice into no, a creative that, framework? No, that's the thing that it looks like. and yeah, you've really thought the benefit of hindsight, there is this great kind of combination of purpose, you know, that that there is some justice in doing these things, and... The creative creativity in the way we go about doing it, and the commerce of it, and that you know if we get those three things lined up, it's kind of powerful. People are interested in it. They kind of see it beyond being, in our case, just a fizzy drink, which isn't a very necessary commodity. And um, that the, the benefit is isn't preached to people. That that to to engage people in what we're doing, having a an interesting looking product and a story that's that's not too Um, earnest or preachy really helps because then it's you know it should be fun to do these things and you should probably enjoy the indulgence in another way by knowing it has a benefit to someone else which is where those three things sort of come together.
0: Is there anything specific to you and the way you are Simon about being from New Zealand and about coming from a quote-unquote small island or two islands and has that do you think is it just an unconscious thing or do you think I'm not from here. I know you. you you've you've yeah. lived between both places, and you continue to move yeah, yeah. around a lot. But is there something about being an outsider which has helped you?
2: I think it does in that you don't have any preconceived ideas, especially in a market like this. It helps to have some experience. You don't want to have the sort of eyes of a novice without at least some uh, some understanding of you know where you're going. <laughs> but at the same time, there's, there's a kind of cultural understanding in New Zealand that you, you kind of need to be a generalist in order to get things going because it's a small population, uh, the skill base is great, but, you know, you, you need to apply yourself to things to make them happen. And there's also a kind of, um, a, I guess, a, a, a cultural phenomenon where people will give it a go, you know, that that it, it's it can't be too hard to do something because, you know, with 42 Below, one of the things that, that I learned from Jeff is that he and he wrote a book about this every bastard says said no you know that there are a lot of people that were sort of knocking the idea because it sounded like there's a lot of vodka in the world. you know why would you do another one? Why would one from New Zealand be of interest to anyone? you go well that 's not a reason not to do it if anything, that differentiation is great you know that New Zealand could have a great pure brand that coming from a place that has clean air and you know, extreme weather. It, you know, it's like Russia or Finland. Maybe you can make a great vodka there. You know, so the the idea of that Kiwi spirit or ingenuity, I guess we call it, that you people have a sense of being pioneers. There or have. You know, our mm. forefathers there, and foremothers. Um, you know, we're pioneering in a number of ways, and and that's still part of the culture. And that the, the constraints that you feel in a more bigger population where there are a lot of specialists aren't quite the same. So, you know, there's a bit more headroom if you've got an idea. Um, It's not all you need, but it's quite good to have that confidence to try something and start it to learn from it rather than think you can't do it.
0: Definitely worth thinking about how you might find your headroom wherever you are thinking mm. about your idea. Stay with me for much more from my business shaper, Simon Coley. We are going to crack the cola nut pretty shortly and you'll find out how he's been managed to sell millions and millions and millions of um, his drinks in over 20 countries as well. That's all happening in a few minutes, but first here's more from our news session podcast. You'll recall that we talk about an interesting and important topic to you, uh, an important to- topic in business, but it's through the lens of the law. This is about the gig economy and our host is the one and only Paddy O'Connell.
1: The News Sessions with Paddy O'Connell in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Just Just FM.
0: Hello, I'm Paddy O'Connell and you're listening to the News Sessions from Mishkondorea. Each week, we have an in-depth look at a key item of law which is hitting the headlines. Today, we're talking about the gig economy and it's all about the way we earn money in the modern age. And here to discuss is Susanna Kintish. She's employment partner at Mishkonda Raya. Hello there, Susanna.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So Susanna, uh, if I think of a sliding scale where I'm an employer and I want to exert as much sort of influence on my staff, employees, workers to get my brand right, the more I stipulate how I want them to behave. Am I moving them more towards employed status with the more I give them instruction?"
1: It's really interesting. I mean, I think if, if your brand is solely external facing, then you might not have a problem. But where you have a brand that has got very strong values and, and it, and its values permeate the entire organization, then the more stipulations you have around how your workforce conducts itself. So, for example, the face it presents to customers, how, um, you know, the, the appearance before customers, the more, the more stipulations you have around that, the more likely you are to move um, your workforce along the spectrum towards worker or even employee status.
2: So that's the
0: real reality now that everything comes at a price.
1: That's right. It's quite difficult to reconcile having a very strong brand um, with, with having genuinely self employed. The New Sessions Podcast with Paddy O'Connell from Mishkon Find more of the New Sessions Podcasts dealing with key legal matters on iTunes.
0: Don't forget you can hear this program and so many more in the archive after 10am this very morning. You can also ask Alexa or Google to play Jazz Shapers. And there you can hear many of the recent programs, including today's After 10, as I said. Or if you pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes, you'll get the full archive of programs to enjoy there as well. But here right now is Simon Coley, director and co-founder at Karma Cola. And we were talking, I mentioned earlier, the cola nuts. I want to bring the cola nut mm. back into centre stage. You're holding one. For those people that don't know, and you'd think, thank you, I'm now holding one, um, and I'm going to smell it. It doesn't smell very... It smells like kind of a... I don't know what it smells of, like, actually. It smells so earthy. Earthy. Yeah. That's a good word. Thank you. Most cola, I would have thought, has a cola nut in it, mm. he says naively. Does it,
2: Simon, or is yours the only one? Well, I mean, we like to think it does. I think there are other brands that have have experimented with you know real natural organic ingredients but the the point of ours was that we would we've challenged ourselves to make a cola that had ingredients you'd recognise so ours has lime coriander cinnamon orange zest lemon and cola cola is uh, you know something that's in the most popular word in the English language but probably not in the drink that bears that name and that was a big point of difference for us that we could take what is an incredibly bitter flavor and, an, and quite an important you know ritual ingredient in West Africa and use it to to honor the kind of idea of the recipe. And that we, we tried a lot of different recipes, a lot of different combinations of those key ingredients with lemon juice and sugar and um, lime and vanilla to, to balance the bitterness out. Because cola was probably invented as a kind of tonic to um, to mask the active ingredients in the drink. Mm. Um, and the cola has theobromine, which is a bit like caffeine. It's a bit of a stimulant. It makes you talkative. Um, it's used ritually to... To welcome people in West Africa, so that idea of um, of uh, cola adding life is actually a phrase that's used in the villages we work with. They say, "He who brings cola brings life."
0: Now, your your packaging brings life. Your whole ethos, obviously, brings life as as well. It's it is that fusion of well. Now it's a nice taste. You actually mm. created a product, but you've thought very hard about. The aesthetics. Tell me a little bit about. Obviously, you're a designer by background, and you have a, a feel for it, and a and a and a, you have know, taste. But why the way? Why is this the way you came to?
2: The um the bottle and the can have a kind of depiction of a character from or a spirit from the the area that we get the ingredient from called Mummy Water, and Mummy Water is a like a mermaid. She she lives. And literally, from Creole, it's mother water is the interpretation, but um, she brings good fortune to the people in the villages, like a, a storm or a river would, and disaster. So she can be tempestuous, both good and bad. And the depiction that the artists that we asked to help us with is of a, a kind of like an angel and a devil flying around the words Cola. and you know, in the past there was a, there's a mythology around mummy water appearing to one of the chiefs in the key village that we trade with called Boma. And the chief was then a man and mummy water came to him in a dream and said in the future we, I'd like you to make sure that all the future chiefs are women, otherwise there'll be trouble. And since then every chief of Boma has been a woman. Mm.
0: And the other thing to note is um, by the way that part of every sale of every bottle and can goes towards uh, growers families so there you go they're in just, those villages in yes. those villages which is pretty cool it isn't just cola it's ginger ale yes it's a, what's the other one the, the, this the,
2: is a new one it's oh. an orange aid orange oh, aid good gosh. I haven't seen that one there's Some a lemony one, one as well oh, yeah. there's a, a lemon aid called lemony mm. yep uh, and we have a sugar free karma cola and a few other new formulations like that We're thinking they're not listening them. but do you have a favourite they won't hear <laughs> after cola I, I really like the new orange aid um, yeah is it? It's I, it's a good summer drink, which is probably why we called it that.
0: Obviously, you've not made drinks before. I mean, this is the first time you've kind of created your own... Well, Chris, who I, who's Chris a partner,
2: has had a business called Phoenix Organics in New Zealand. So he was a pioneer of organic soft drinks there. So we do okay. have a lot of experience in that area.
0: But for you personally, it must be quite nice, actually. I mean, yeah. obviously, you were involved with the, the, the vodka thing, but this is now your own baby. You're, well,
2: you're, in that yeah, and I think that... that it is. it does feel like that because we've we've created different characters for all of the drinks okay. which is probably not the smartest thing to do when you're trying to build a brand that everyone will recognize but it seems to pay back in that people like or they relate to the characters so Gingerella who is a you know quite an, a well we think an attractive looking Fiery red-headed woman yeah. is, a, you know, adorns the can and the bottle of our ginger ale, and she's already got a lot of fans. She's appeared as tattoos on people's breasts and and arms. She's appeared in drag on a few occasions. Um, we were trying to get someone to dress up as her in a sort of Trump suit because she's sort of become a an icon for people with red hair. Um, possibly not the one we we're just talking about, but she's. <laughs> Yeah, she's got a life of her own. And and all of them seem to have out there in social media been adopted by people who've done their own thing with them. It, is the
0: irreverence, and I don't think it's super irreverent, I think it's just having fun, is that mm. from your personality? Is that because you think that's what people like or, or is it a mixture of the two? Because sometimes people have ideas, you know, innocent years ago pioneered the yeah. the notion of cu- packaging that talked to you. This takes it somewhere else. Again, it kind of it has, it's got an artistic feel to it.
2: I think there's something, you know, one of your former... Guess talks about having creative courage. That you know, if you have an idea like this, actually following it through, and you know, not John Haggerty. Tr- you're talking that's about that's the one. Yeah. yeah, and he's you know he's someone who's seen the brand and and you know been you know re- spoken about it with me and and being kind of impressed with it. If I can say that, it was, yeah. it was really great to get that feedback. But I think you know the point is we try and engage people visually and. You know, make them smile a little bit in their minds when they see it. That That's the kind of engagement we want to get with people, not to tell them what's going on, but to capture their imagination so then they can discover a bit more about why we're doing it and why we think it's important. You know, Our kind of codify, way of codifying this is to think if it looks great, at least we get people to reach out and pick it up. If they pick it up and taste it, and it tastes good, then we've got permission to do more. So we get the looks great, tastes great. Then when we tell them, or they discover that we do good as well, then we've got a we're sort of got a relationship with them. You know, we can kind of go, you know, by the way, you've just drunk this, and some money's just gone back to educate some kids in a village in Africa to help them gain their own economic independence. And that sort of closes the circle. That's the karma in our karma cola. And
0: I want to talk more about that foundational, the activities you do in our final chat, which is going to come up shortly. Plus, I'll be playing a track from Mal Green.
1: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership
0: with Mish Mishkondorea.
1: It's business, but it's personal.
0: That was Al Green, we're tired of being alone. Simon Coley is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. We've been talking all about if it looks good, if it tastes good, then you can do good, right? Mm. You've got your relationship, as you said. Tell me about the good things that you've done um, through the foundation.
2: Well, I mean, it is the collective work of a lot of people. Um, Albert, our chairman, has done an incredible job of sort of bridging the relationship we have with our growers on the ground in Sierra Leone and, and developing that scope of the foundation further to Sri Lanka and other places where we get ingredients from. But the um, what we've been able to do with the money that's generated from the sale of drinks is educate young girls that don't normally get the chance. It's usually the, the first son that gets the education and then the next boy and the next boy. If there are boys and if there's a a, a girl, she's less likely to get to school. So we've made sure we can shift the balance back towards young women in these villages, um, because there are women as chiefs. So you know, there's there's already role models for leadership. But education's such an important thing in these these cultures, because otherwise they their choices as children are to be farmers or farmers' wives, and there's not a lot of room for them to continue to generate their income from farming. So that's a big thing for us. Infrastructure. When we first sent the first check there from the first year of sales, we we put some kind of guidelines around it. We don't pretend to be an NGO. It was kind of a DIY thing at the beginning. And we said, look, we don't know what you need as much as you do. So let us know what you think we should spend the money on. The rules are it has to benefit the entire community and not individuals because we didn't want chiefs taking it and not spreading it across the community Um, it needs to be able to be used so that ultimately you become economically independent because we don't want to be seen as a charity so things that are more like infrastructure than than uh, disposable like when we, we we're quite happy to pay for teachers and maintain schools but if we buy lots of pencils we just have to buy them again every year so you know developing revenue that enables them to support themselves is better, we think. So that's kind of been our approach and although it's uh, uh, kind of started relatively chaotically, we just kind of got requests and Albert would text message back to them and find a foreman or someone to help build something. But the first request they came back with was to build a bridge over a waterway that used to flood and take away their temporary bridge every year and made it very dangerous getting across from one of these villages to the other. So... Well, you know, the first thing we heard back was, we want to build this bridge. They built it. When we first went there, we saw the entire community standing on it. Hmm. Like the first view I saw of the village was all these guys dressed up as spirits dancing on this bridge. That was the, the hmm. moment when I thought, wow, we've well, <laughs> done ask. something. And, <laughs> yeah. and
0: let me ask you about that just mm. before we go to your song, because mm. we're going to run out of time. What is the Is that the moment that you want to feel? Is that the most... Um, uplifting moment for you
2: in the business. I think I I have to keep going back to that. You know, there's a lot of challenges in doing what we're doing. When you think, well, you know, an idea that was just an idea has turned into something with the help of a lot of people and a lot of enthusiasm for this idea that's really tangible. And, you know, apart from the obvious kind of job we're doing, the, you know, the personal journey and being able to get to that point and take it further was fantastic. Like, actually seeing... What had happened,
0: and in and in a nutshell, is it is the future about just doing selling even more so that you can do even more? Is it as simple as that?
2: I think it can be. I think you know we've got to look at both ends of our supply chain: how we engage people in a you know respectful way as consumers of our products, and then the the beneficiaries who you know anyone in that supply chain who can benefit from that from the commerce should be aligned with our purpose. And that's what happens with the partners we have in restaurants that sell our drinks and shops that sell our drinks. We try and get them all involved. So it it feels like we can do more because we're trying to combine those things, that idea of being a purposeful enterprise, doing it creatively, and showing that everyone can benefit from it it commercially.
0: I really hope that simple recipe, and I know it's not simple to deliver, mm. I hope that remains right central, uh, right mm. front and centre for you because mm. I think it's brilliant and what you're doing is mm. fabulous and, and the drinks are really nice too, <laughs> which always helps, good. doesn't yeah, it? Yeah,
2: it is a benefit, yeah. Simon, thanks for your time. Thank Just you. before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Oh, it's uh, Gil Scott here. Uh, you know, when you asked about this, I thought uh, I couldn't get past it. You know, every other jazz experience I had in my life, this one keeps coming back. And I think when I first heard it, I would have been a teenager. Most of my repertoire was punk from here you know it's kind of angry white music and then being introduced to reggae and then I guess jazz through Gil Scott Heron's kind of jazz poetry and this song in particular um, because last night I was badly being a bad father we're out with my kids looking at my phone and both of them said to me stop looking at the screen dad (laughs) you know and I thought, yeah, you're right. And so when I was thinking about the song again this morning, I thought, it's, it's still really appropriate. The revolution will not be televised. And it, it will is. be live. And, <laughs> and it is just for you. <laughs> yeah. You will not be able to stay home, brother. able to plug in turn on and cop out
0: that was the revolution will not be televised from gil scott heron the song choice of my business shaper today simon coley a brilliant example of fusing creativity with social justice and what's the output business with purpose
1: jazz shapers on jazz fm in partnership with mishkondorea it's business
0: but it's personal we hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or head over to mishgondorea.com forward slash jazzshapers.